0: Praise the Lord. Welcome to the Bible study. It's our Romans Bible study here in my office every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time live on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page and the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel where you can find everything uploaded, our worship services, our everything we do, even on Fridays, our First Timothy teaching. Uh, And I just uh, welcome you and encourage you to avail yourself if you love the Word of God and you want to learn the, the Word of God in its righteous context, which the truth of God's Word reveals. And you will be, oh, you will be so blessed when you begin to dig into God's Word and begin to see Jesus, the living Word, on every page of your Bible. Jesus said we could do nothing no thing without him in John fifteen five. We need to understand that. We need to come to the conclusion of that. I I can't study without him. I can't receive anything without him. I I can't walk in victory without Him, I can't function as whatever gifting God has given me without Him. I can do no thing, nothing without Him. He has to be involved, and the way He's involved is through my faith in His righteous work at Calvary. And then I get His Spirit, and as long as I keep my faith in that legal work He provided for me at Calvary, the Holy Spirit then, Romans 8, 2, is legally allowed to operate in my life with the grace of God, by the grace of God, being God-functioning, Jesus in my life by His Spirit. We need to understand these things. I can't do anything without Him. And the written Word of God is all about the one who claims to be from heaven, the bread from heaven, the living Word of God. So, uh, you know, the Bible, Jesus taught in Matthew 4 and 4 that we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That means the Bible. But yet, Jesus says He's the life. He is the life. There is no life outside of Him, no experience of life outside of Him. I'm not talking about breathing air and eating natural physical food, I'm talking about spiritual life, I'm talking about the experience of God, the born-again experience, the the life, the laying hold daily on this eternal life that we already have, it doesn't take place outside of our faith in Christ and what he did for us at Calvary. So therefore, if, if we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, the Bible, yet Jesus is our life, Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. If I'm living, Spiritually, it's Christ, hallelujah, living in me. So therefore, we can never separate anything in the Bible from Jesus. And what is the common denominator, that which allows the Holy Spirit to apply any of God's Word to our hearts that we might experience life, Jesus himself, our life, is the blood of that he shed at Calvary. Your faith must never be moved away from there. Well, I'm glad you're with us today, whatever day it is. This is Romans chapter 11, part 7. And again, go back and listen, starting in Romans 1, verse 1, verse by verse all the way up to where we are today. Oh, my goodness, you will be uh, blessed as you learn. Again, let me say it, the truth of God's Word. That's what you need, the truth, because it's the truth that will make you free, keep you free, and and allow you to function in all that God's called you to do. Hallelujah. Because we can do no thing, nothing, without Jesus. We can do nothing without the truth. That's who He is. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 11, praise God, verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery... Lest you should be wise in your own conceits, wise in my own opinions is what the word means, that blindness, means hardness, in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Man, that one verse is packed with much treasure and God wants to unveil some of that today in our hearts and I pray that he will. I know that he wants to. I know he'll attempt to. And if you want to hear the truth today, he's going to impart it into your heart. Hallelujah. And Paul says that he he doesn't want... Uh, the brothers in Rome, the church in Rome, us, the church here, wherever you may be, to be ignorant of this mystery. For it is a mystery. But in Christ, it's seen. Walking in the truth, it's seen. Hallelujah. When your faith is in the... Cross of Christ, you have eyes to see, and God begins to unveil the picture of His Son to you brighter and brighter. Hallelujah. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinions, conceits. And here's what it is that blindness, that hardness of heart, in part, that's very important, because all of Israel did not fall away, for the very apostles were Jewish. Paul is a Jew. All of Israel did not fall away, but Israel in part. Now now granted, the majority of all Israel who's lived between the time of Christ and His ministry on earth, Him giving Himself for our sins on this earth at the cross, until now, most Jewish people have died and gone to the place called hell. Because God doesn't have another option for them. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is absolutely no other way to the Father except by Him. And all those that have rejected Him... It's because their hearts are hardened against Him through unbelief, this chapter teaches. Not not God chose a group of people to, uh, to be unbelievers. No, God does what He hardens. God is as faithful to harden a heart as He is to soften a heart. But it's all based on what men do with Jesus. Now, you've got to understand that. And that's what one of the things this chapter teaches is that the hardness of heart, the blindness, if you go back up to verse 9, which was a huge blessing, there's a word in verse 9 called, and it's recompense. And that means a reward. Their reward is a trap, a stumbling block. Blindness, deafness, that's the reward for anybody who rejects Christ because you can't get to God. You might think you're on your way to heaven. You might think you have a relationship with God, but it's some other man-made God unless it's through faith in the sacrifice of Christ. It is that narrow. Jesus taught it was that narrow. Thank God it's that narrow. It's so narrow that it's seen by all. Everybody can see it. The grace of God that brings salvation to men has appeared to all. Titus chapter 2 tells us that. This narrow way is seen. Something that is rejected has to be seen. Think about that. Think about that. So here he's talking about that Israel only in part have become hardened and blind and, and, and that means that not all of Israel was lost. Some accepted Christ. And some along the last 2,000 years have accepted Christ. But for the most part, 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 they've been blinded. They've been hardened through unbelief. Not because God just made them hard. I mean, God, the Bible says, hardened Pharaoh's heart. But Why? Because Pharaoh was an unbeliever. Through unbelief, God is as faithful to harden a heart as He is to, to, to tenderize that heart. You better think about that. You need to understand that. That God is just as faithful to curse as He is to bless He wants to bless everyone. He wants to save everyone. The Bible says that. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But those who reject Him are, by rejecting Christ and His only way of salvation, the cross where he paid the price, he did the work of righteousness, and we just believe it and accept it. Anything other than that puts us at enmity with God. Don't forget it. Because anything other than faith in the work of righteousness Jesus did at Calvary puts us at enmity with God because we are trying to work our way in, and that's a spit on what God did in his son at Calvary. That's doing despite to the covenant. That's in the blood of Jesus. Read Hebrews. You'll you'll get a hold of that. We do despite to the spirit of grace when we think we can work our way in. Or after we've accepted Christ, we think that now we can work our way through. It's up to us. No, my friend. It's only up to you to continue to believe in what Jesus did for you at Calvary. So watch this now. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, your own opinions. Opinions. Boy, we're full of that. We're full of opinions. If you'll stick with the Word of God, you'll see soon enough just how your thinking is very stinking and your opinions are just really, our opinions are those things that end in debt. Our opinions are vain imaginations that have exalted themselves against the very knowledge of God. Hallelujah. You, oh, when you get humble, my friend, you'll realize that you've, you've lived a life that's vain and our opinions have only caused us great harm. He says here, I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until... The fullness of the Gentiles be come in. There is a this ought to bless your soul this morning. There is a time in which God is saving Gentiles. That's people like us. He's been doing it for two thousand years. Come on now, He's been doing it for two thousand years, and He and He is still doing it. But there is coming a time of cutoff when He will cut off. We will be snatched away, will be taken away. It's called the rapture and 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 we're going he's going to come get us and then at some point after that the great tribulation the time of Jacob's trouble is when Jesus is going to come back and save Israel just in the nick of time from the, from Satan it, it, boy it appears like he is about to finally make his first victory Satan had never had a victory every time Satan thought he had a victory it ended up being slammed back in his faith with face with two black eyes and another sword of truth taking his head off again. Think about that my friend. Hallelujah. Satan has never had a, he's always been a loser and that's all a loser can do is lose and lie and try to paint a picture of some victory he's got. He's never had a victory. He has never been victorious. He's always been a liar and he, listen, he will always be a liar. He'll never He'll never get a victory because Jesus is victorious Victor over him glory to god mm, you get excited thinking about that someone that goes around as a lion roaring as a lion someone that goes around painting pictures to to men like he like he rules and reigns he he can't rule he can't reign except over his demons or and over those that subject themselves to him but those that come to god through faith in the blood of the son of god jesus christ and what he did at calvary he loses his grip of power he loses LOSES THAT AUTHORITY OVER DEATH THAT HE HAD. GLORY TO GOD. HE CANNOT HAVE A VICTORY BECAUSE HE'S A LOSER. I GET EXCITED ABOUT TALKING ABOUT HOW MUCH OF A LOSER HE IS. Uh, because I know how much of a, a victorious king and warrior I have in Jesus Christ. Glory to God. But there is a season. It's it Time's about to run out, my friend. There was a time when God allowed Noah to build an ark for 120 or so years. That time ran out. He told him, get it all in the ark and God shut the door and everything was washed away that had to go their own way in their own conceits, their own opinions. It was that one it's hard to believe God loves us too. Oh, God loves us. all. Oh, don't worry about that old man building that boat. do you know God created us? He wouldn't destroy us. God loves us too. That was their own conceits, their own opinions. They wouldn't hear the message of righteousness coming from the preacher of righteousness, old brother Noah, hallelujah, building that ark and preaching righteousness. What does that mean? That means he was preaching a coming redeemer, hallelujah, that was going to take away their sins and make them righteous before God but they wouldn't have it because oh God loved them and they could feel it and God would not never do that. That's their own conceits. That's their own opinions. Glory to God. There's one way. There's always been one way and that boat that Noah built, that message that Noah preached was all about that one that came and died for our sins so that he could be our ark and we could load up in him, trust in him. And let me tell you something, there's a flood coming. And at the end of this Gentile age, at the end of this times, the fullness of the Gentiles, God's going to come back. Jesus is coming back to save Israel. Watch this now, verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. All Israel shall be saved as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away godliness from Jacob. See, he's coming. Jesus is coming and he's going to deliver Israel. All of Israel in that day. There won't be one lost one. This doesn't mean... This doesn't have anything to do with the past Israel. This has everything to do when Jesus comes out of Zion and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now, Now, you need to see this. Ungodliness here is related to that which is trusting in anything other than Jesus and what he did at Calvary. Ungodliness. I don't care what how good it looks, how well behaved and manner mannerly it is, and how oh just we put on such a front. But if it's not a trust in the very death of Jesus at Calvary, and I'm not talking about your faith in Him. 25, 40 years ago, uh, 20 days ago. I'm talking about today. Are you trusting in the work of righteousness Jesus provided you in his death at Calvary? Not that book you're reading, not those five points your preacher preached yesterday, but are you trusting in the blood of Jesus for that alone is through which our righteousness comes that declares us righteous and allows us to function being led by the spirit of truth so that Jesus can work in our lives by His Spirit and bear forth the fruits of His righteousness. Hallelujah. So watch this. All Israel shall be saved. When Jesus comes back, they recognize Him in their great time of need and about to be utterly destroyed. Jesus saves the very nation of Israel. And you know. I, and let me say it again during this teaching today. You gotta, you've got to stay away from preachers and folks that teach that there's another way for Israel to be saved. Not outside of Christ, there's no way for any to be saved. There's no other name in heaven or on earth by which men can be saved than the name of Jesus, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. And through His work at the cross. At the cross. Hallelujah. There's no forgiveness of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Don't forget it. He says... For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Jesus is coming back to take away the very natural lineage of Abraham, the Jewish people. He's going to take away their sins just like he took your and my sins away and they're going to recognize him. This is taught in Zechariah. The prophet Zechariah taught these things. Jesus coming back, going to save Israel. They're going to recognize him. They're going to ask who he is because He's saving them from their enemies, and when He tells them who He is, they're going to subject, submit themselves to Him as Savior, and they're going to realize that He was the one, He is the one, and will always be the one. Hallelujah. He is God. He is Lord. He is Jesus. He is Redeemer. Hallelujah. So, He says this in verse 28, As concerning the gospel, they are enemies... For your sakes concerning the gospel they rejected which allowed God then to turn to us Gentiles because that's what he teaches if you go up back up here in verse uh, verse 20. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off and you stand by faith. Think about that. You need to understand that. Chapter 11 teaches that God turned to the Gentile world, yes, because he loves us, but number two, to make his people, Israel, jealous, he saves us. And He gives us His Spirit. And He begins to move and live in us and have His way in us. And we begin to express the Savior. We begin to express, in part, some of the promises to Israel in and through our lives spiritually. Amen. We're not looking for for a a, a physical uh, place to live like the promised land, like Israel looked for. We have the spiritual blessings. And listen, the, the, the city we're looking for is a city wherein righteousness dwells. That means nothing but righteousness dwells. Hallelujah. So think about that. As concerning the gospel, which Israel rejected for the most part, They're enemies for your sakes. Well, what's them being at enmity with God, enemies toward God, which anybody is that's rejecting the gospel, anybody is that's lost. What's what's them being enemies got to do with us? Because the Bible says they're enemies for our sake. Because it's through their unbelief that God turned to us. You You need to hear that. Because of their unbelief, God turns to the the world and says, I'll save whosoever will believe. Yes, I came for Israel, but they rejected me. So now I'm offering what I was offering them to everybody. Now, he always knew he was going to do that. God always knew He was going to do that because even under the Old Covenant, the promise is that Jesus would be a light even unto the Gentiles because God knew all these things in His foreknowledge, but the process and the experience and the actual carrying out of these things came to pass in that they rejected Christ, became enemies toward God through being enemies to the gospel For our sakes, because through their rebellion and unbelief, God turned to us. But it's touching the election. God elected Israel. God elected Israel, the nation Israel, the bloodline of Abraham. He elected them, and that's what he means here. But it's touching concerning the election. They are beloved for the Father's sakes. Now, I'm I'm going to read verse 29 because... We probably need to take a more in-depth look at verse 29. It's been used throughout the the years uh, in a way probably that was out of context maybe for the most part, but it still could be applied partly to the way we've used it throughout the years because God, when God gives gifts and callings, He doesn't take them back away. We may forfeit the benefits of them just like God didn't take His calling and election away from Israel now that's the context of the verse. That is the main focus and context of for the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. That is the main context. Is Israel being saved when when at the at the end of this age, at the fullness of the time of the Gentiles, and and the church being raptured out, and Israel going through a hard time beyond hard, the worst time they will have ever gone through the Bible says called the great tribulation Jesus comes back to save them and that's what he's going to do save all of Israel in that day and you need to get this because the gifts God promised to Israel and the calling God promised to Israel are without repentance he hadn't changed his mind listen that's why God cut covenant with himself Because if God cuts covenant with Himself, it can't fall apart. It can't fail because we don't have a part to play in it other than believing it. We didn't have a. It's not if you do something and you work for it. No, God says, just like He told Abraham on the mountain when He told him to take his son Isaac up and sacrifice him. And right when he was Abraham was about to kill his son Isaac, God said, "Stop." And the Bible says, "The Lord shall provide Himself." Get that now. The Lord shall provide himself a sacrifice. Read that in the book of Genesis. It'll bless your soul. That's what, that's what Jesus meant when he told the religious rulers of his day when they were rejecting him that Abraham saw his day and rejoiced. That's the day Abraham saw, the day of Jesus, the, the, the day and what would take place, that God would provide, hear this, himself. God would provide himself, the giving of his son. Jesus is God. He provided himself. Hallelujah. So get that. So the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And when God cut covenant with himself, God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ, who is God, cut covenant It's something that we can't remove. We can't throw away except for our own selves. We can refuse to accept it, refuse to be a part of it, but the covenant still stands. Hallelujah. Just like the covenant with Israel still stands. Now most have opted out because they've rejected Christ. They've become enemies with God. They can stand at that well and wall in Israel all day long for 90 years of their life. Every day of their life they can go out there but until they accept Christ, their prayers are not being heard. God's not listening to them because Jesus said you must pray to the Father in His name. Come on, somebody. If you're a Bible believer, you're getting this. Uh, so uh, you got to understand when, when, when Paul wrote this for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, the context here, is that what God's given Israel and what God's called Israel to, it's going to come to pass. God's not going to take it away. But they have forfeited throughout the ages the gifts and the callings. Many are called, but few are chosen. Think about this. God's callings and and giftings toward individuals he won't take away, we may throw it away, but God won't take it away. We may abuse our gifts and callings. Now here, here's where the rub comes in. Why is, why are they, why are they in the flesh? Why are they teaching? Why are they do- We may abuse our gifts and callings. We may, we may think we're on track and, and be totally away from God, preaching something that's false, preaching the law instead of grace. But the gifts and callings God doesn't take away even though we're abusing, even though we may throw them away, we may quit. Whatever we do, God's not going to quit. His arms are wide open and He doesn't take back what He's already promised. But, but But they don't just automatically take place. Paul said all Israel is not Israel just because they're of Abraham's flesh. And everybody that's hanging out at the church really is not the church. Those who are trusting in the work of Christ at Calvary are the church. Those who've come in by that way are the church. And we need to understand that. There's tares among the wheat. There's enemies of the cross among those who claim to preach the cross. There's there's just a mixture of everything today. But make no mistake about it, God is going to send His Son Jesus Christ to get us out of here pretty soon, and then He's coming back to save all of Israel in that day. He's going to save all Israel in that day because what He's promised in times past, He's going to carry out. God don't break promises. We might throw His promises away, but He doesn't break promises. What God promised to Abraham, what God promised to David, is still on the table and going to be carried out. Think about this. God cut covenant with himself, and I'm going back to this again, and he showed it to Abraham. That doesn't mean Abraham had to be a part of it. He could have thrown it out. He could have walked away, but the covenant would have still stood because the covenant is not depending on any man but the man who is the son of the living god the lamb of god that came to take our sin away for that is the covenant god calls the new covenant and jesus said it was in his blood hallelujah so think about that these things are for your encouragement these teachings are for your uh, to challenge you uh, to get into the word to check them out for yourself because jesus is coming at any moment it's not some some great distant thing. Jesus is coming at any moment to take us out of here and it will be the close of that Gentile, the fullness of the Gentiles. And then He's coming back and we're coming with Him. And I want you and every person, everybody, to be ready when He comes to have oil in their lamp, the wisdom of God which is found in Christ in their lamps when He comes. Praise God. I love you and I'm glad you're tuning in. I pray that you'd share these on social media. However, you can share them and get more people involved where we can learn the truth of God's Word. If you haven't sown into the ministry yet, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can text the word give to 903-231-5950. I look forward to seeing you in our next Romans Bible study which will be Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. And until then, God bless you and stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I'll see you then.